Oh, you have five minutes to play a game. No. (laughs) (laughs) You have negative two hours to play a game. Yeah. Hello and welcome to The Cutdown, a podcast all about the art of trailer editing. This is episode number 15. I'm Derek Liu. And I'm Rick Thomas. And I'm a little late to recording this because actually I just got an Oculus Quest. I was like, I'll try it out just for five minutes before I go and do the podcast. And then like the tutorial took me 10 minutes, but it was amazing. <laughs> so my experience so far is that the tutorial is incredible. And there's this cool like AR thing where... You draw the area where you're not going to knock into things on your floor, but you feel like you're in the Matrix, and it was very exciting. Nice. Have you used any other VR stuff before? Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, I used um, uh, where I work. We have a games department, and they had a, I guess, a kind of Oculus um, Rift mm-hmm. setup. So I played Beat Saber on that, um, and then I had an Oculus Go, but then that was kind of fixed. So it was a interesting. It, it was kind of a bit like an extended. VR headset like a Google Cardboard or something because it didn't really react to where your body was moving or your hands and um, and this is like a next level so yeah yeah I'm very excited but it leads us very well into um, what we're talking about today which is game trailers yeah I mean we, we're 14 we're 15 episodes in now and this is the first one we've dedicated to game trailers despite me being a game trailer editor uh i think partially that's a little bit on me just because i've wanted to talk about movie trailers because usually i talk about game trailers all the time yeah i feel like we've touched upon it like definitely uh we've touched upon it in terms of some of the kind of narrative things that we've we've hit and and we always try to reference it but yeah definitely we haven't given its due diligence considering its kind of all-conquering nature and and the kind of world markets now even most entertainment that people watch is video games in some form it's people watching minecraft videos on youtube or twitch or something like that so yeah it's time we it's time we take notice actually death stranding which we talked about previously um the the 10 minute uh, hideo kojima trailer just came out and is getting really great reviews yeah i haven't watched that because i heard it's pretty full of spoilers it's like seven or eight minutes long i can't imagine it doesn't have spoilers oh the final the final release trailer yeah yeah which of course hideo kojima cut himself yeah i saw he posted uh, up his uh, trailer timeline on on twitter so oh really i didn't see that yeah it was interesting i read an interesting thing about um an article about uh how he because he's a very kind of unique video game creator and how there was an amazing thing in one of the Metal Gear Solid games where it kind of played with that fourth wall thing where you um where it kind of started questioning you as the viewer right it was kind of interesting seeing that because actually that's that's the question I wanted to talk about in terms of trailers and it being that interactive experience and therefore you know you're kind of creating the story but there is a story and it's like how to kind of juggle that so that's a big question but um I feel like that's a uniquely game thing would you agree yeah because uh when you have a game if assuming it even has a story then yeah you're balancing telling the story of the game while also basically showing the potential story of the player interacting with the game because uh, a big part of making game trailers is that people want to be able to see the trailer and then understand basically how they're going to be interacting with it like how they're going to fit into Uh, that game because you know a game by itself cannot exist without a player who is actually interacting with it whereas a movie can you know doesn't require a viewer necessarily i mean it does but not in the same way a game does yeah i'd never really analyzed it until i was playing la noir 
Um, so this is probably about seven years ago now and I was playing it and it was amazing and it was immersive and I kind of bought into being this character even though this character was having interactions and and saying things I, I felt like it was kind of following the the ethics of and the story of of you know I was I was creating the story along with it and then the character I think cheated on his wife or something and I was like well that's not what I would that's not what I'm doing as a character like I I had no say in that there was no like press A to cheat on wife press B to not cheat on Um, especially you know compared to kind of something like um, Red Dead Redemption which very much and Grand Theft Auto which have that kind of if you're a dick then you you get kind of treated as a dick and if you are nice to people and you save people on the road then your kind of character gets regarded nicely and and they have kind of moral codes and and this was breaking my moral code so it was a real kind of disconnect that I'd kind of been subtly being okay with it throughout and then all of a sudden was not because because of this strange behavior yeah and i think it's it's definitely a balance that a game trailer creator has to think about Am I going to prioritize the player experience or the story? If there is a story, then then usually, yeah, they, they prioritize the story and then try not to make the gameplay maybe too anachronistic to what the story is there. Or they could make an alternate trailer, which is just like, this is the one where we're not talking about story at all. We're just going to show the wacky stuff that you can do in this game, like like Just Cause 3 or something like that, where you're doing these things like uh, attaching grappling hooks to two airplanes and making them crash into each other. I guess that is something that games can do. They can kind of compartmentalize. So, you know, now you have the the story trailer and now you have the gameplay trailer. And actually, maybe it's testament to how hard it is to do, get every aspect over in a trailer that, um, I guess, maybe kind of launch trailers, early trailers get more of a kind of, closer to teaser trailers that we've been talking about. That's more kind of just, hey, this is the world and get excited kind of thing. Yeah, and there's everyone does something a little bit different. Like, I think a launch trailer can have many different forms it can either be like oh i don't mean launch trailers do i i mean uh, i mean like early like basically a teaser like announced trailers oh sure um but sorry yeah you were talking about launch trailers which is a whole other a whole other bag yeah but yeah and the, and the other really big difference with game trailers versus movies is that you have to for the most part capture your own footage that just does not exist until you play the game. Like, sure, there's some games with cutscenes in them, and those are easy enough to capture, but everything else is basically like virtual filmmaking. So it's just this whole other layer that game trailer creators have to uh, do for their job. It's funny you say that. I um, I was looking at one of your earlier trailers, and I wanted to talk about it on this um, uh, on the podcast, and it's the... Uh, it's an early trailer for Firewatch. I don't know um, at what point in the kind of trailer schedule did your first piece pop up. Um, I did the E3 trailer, which is labeled online as the June 2015 trailer. Um, so that's the first one that I was involved with. And then there's like an announced trailer, which they just did entirely internally in like August 2014. Right. Um, but that one was interesting because I think it might be because I've heard you talk about it before, but... Um in terms of that capturing there's there's a line in the trailer you know i'll see what i can do and then picks up an axe and then that's an example of am i met that's your point isn't it that like say what you see that storm knocked out the phone line i used to talk to the service which means we are cut off i'll see what i can do what was the origin of that piece like what were you tasked with doing if this was basically the the second piece and expanding that world yeah so for firewatch the first of all the setup was that they had i think six weeks 
for to make the trailer, and they were going to be the only indie game in the Sony press conference at E3, and they just they didn't have like the bandwidth to make it themselves. So um, the only direction I got was first of all it had to be sixty seconds, which we went over just a little bit. Just to, I think we just ate into whatever the the preamble was, and then the biggest direction I got was they wanted people to understand that stuff actually happens in this game. What I mean by that is uh, like Firewatch is very much part of this genre often pejoratively referred to as walking simulators where it's like you don't do anything in this game except walk and pick up stuff. And there are a lot of games like that where it's sort of like virtual archaeology where like everything has already happened and you're just picking up the pieces and finding out what happened. Whereas Firewatch they wanted to be very clear like there's going to be stuff actively happening as you're playing. Not to say that we wanted to make it action-y, but we just wanted there to be like mystery and intrigue so then that people want to find out what's going to happen during the game as opposed to like picking up the pieces and discovering a story. Interesting. Yeah, so that's... um, Because it kind of seems... I mean, it's very much a mystery trailer, so you do get that. I mean, that kind of intrigues me is that like something's happened and you have to kind of work out. So yes, it... It might be less active, but yeah, no, clearly you do get those moments of kind of action there as well. I really love the mystery at the end. Uh, I wondered how that came about, the, the kind of, you're not in the tower, then who is kind of the big cliffhanger at the end there. Uh, somebody cut the comms. What? I'm out here and the wire is cut clean through. Wait, you're already there? You're not in your tower? No, I'm not. Then who is? So, yeah, the thing is, for that shot, so that's a really custom-made shot for the trailer. Um, because basically, when I first started the trailer, I went through the script um, because the game wasn't really playable beginning to end at that point. And I was just looking at the script and thinking, okay, which are the moments in the game which are really big either reveals or just like, oh my God, sort of moments. And this moment of there's someone in your tower and you're not in the tower was one of them. But the problem for the game was that the time that happens in the game, you're not within um, eyesight of your tower. So we basically took this one part of the game, which is the only part of the game where you can see both Delilah's tower and your tower and uh, sort of combined two moments because there is a part in the game where you find this wire that's been cut and uh but they had to like custom animate the the look from like one tower to the other one and i just sort of figured out the timing of that so you didn't capture that they captured that in-house yeah that was basically like i think i maybe mocked up what i thought it would be like and then their animator james benson went in and uh, hand animated himself with like you know putting his hand up to his to his head as he's looking at his tower and that sort of thing with like very precise timing. So then the final thing on my timeline was just like an MOV file basically. Right. Was the script for this piece written as a kind of trailer script or was it you kind of going through the script and and linking things like we've talked about before, kind of drawing a map between those bits so it creates a narrative? Yeah, it was basically what I usually do, which is just, like I said, they gave me the script and then I broke it down into all the parts that I thought were interesting and usable. And uh, I pretty much, as far as I remember, I did the whole script myself. Like I, I remember picking the opening scene for the trailer, um, which is pretty much as is in the game. It's like a cold open, cold open joke. Yeah, yeah, totally. What's in this cave down here? NFS tells people not to go too far in there. It's pretty dangerous. 
You're in it, aren't you? It doesn't seem that dangerous. Whoa, whoa. Ah, no! Henry! Seriously, it's completely fine in here. <sighs> Damn it. A big part of having that cold open joke was because, you know, we knew that was coming out during E3. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, this is probably going to be playing between a whole bunch of like AAA action games, you know, military games or whatever. And if we have a joke and this like unique looking game, I think that will drive more attention uh, than maybe just like opening slow. I liken it to if you're at like a stand up comedy show and you're watching what's happening before uh, sort of reacting to that, even though technically this, you know, this is not live, of course, but just thinking about the context it would live in. It's a palate cleanser before you. Uh... Yeah, yeah, totally. What about music? Where, um, what is that, that score? Yeah, the music was custom-made, which actually this cue wasn't by Chris Remo, the composer of the game. Uh, I think he was too busy just working on the game or other things. So I think it was a friend of uh, some of the people at Campo Santo. And I probably just gave them some sort of basic guideline for uh like the, the energy of the the trailer during each part and like oh there's like a stop down moment here and i don't remember there being that much back and forth with that yeah actually, it's hard to remember how early in the process i had music i feel like it was probably pretty late early on we were just worried about just cramming in all this dialogue because we only had 60 seconds um and then also just just pairing it back yeah, it's good. It actually feels, considering it is a 60, it's kind of, it's not a high intensity 60. It feels kind of measured and in the, the nice meandering tone of the uh, of the game. Yeah, yeah. Because like you think about like a 60 second spot for movies, like Super Bowl, it's basically like a crunched, not crunched up, but like an even more compressed trailer. And they're just trying to fit as much as stuff as possible. But I mean, there's a really big practical reason to not be fast cut was because they had to polish up parts of the game just for the trailer so like there are some areas that maybe they're partially done and then maybe they needed some additional lighting or maybe the clouds weren't drawn yet first for a shot like i think uh like 18 seconds in there's these clouds in the sky which are just hand painted and in the build that i have if you just looked like a little bit to the left you see this like big seam where the cloud just ended because we knew that the camera would only be pointing in one direction so they didn't have the time to just bother finishing it all up. That's funny. I mean, it is a bit like like films. You know, sometimes these traders come out so early in the process that they haven't worked out what the film or game is. I remember for Bioshock Infinite, there was kind of early, you know, three or four years before it came out, there was a kind of early gameplay trailer that came out that, that had completely different mechanics, characters, story from, from actually the final game. You definitely got a sense of the tone, but it was kind of, it was so early on. <laughs> Just a postman. He didn't hurt anybody. It's the wish. And I remember that from kind of when I've worked on games and done game capture as well. It's there may be entire areas of the map that aren't done, but you focus on what is and and little glitches and bugs that you have to get around. And yeah, yeah, totally. Or you can use your advantage as a happy accident, and you'd be like, "Well, that character's <laughs> not supposed to turn upside down, but it's fine, and it and it looks good. It's funny." Yeah, uh, game trailers uh, are really interesting, especially when you're working on a game early in development. That it is just like video games in that uh, it looks incredibly not finished until it's all of a sudden it's finished, um, just because things are being worked on and uh, cleaned up and developed, and even now developed kind of past the point of release as well and 
patched. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and the point, any try, any time you try and install something on the PlayStation, then it, uh, it says yes, but you can play this. But in two hours after we update everything, you haven't been at your PlayStation in a while. We have all these updates that you haven't downloaded. Oh, you have five minutes to play a game. No, <laughs> <laughs> you have negative two hours to play a game. Yeah. In the kind of pantheon of game traders, are there any pieces out there that you really love and you you wish you'd done or had the chance to to do? It's a big question. Yeah, I think the game trailers that I really like and admire, I don't think to myself, hey, I wish I did that. Like, for example, um, I love all the trailers from the indie developer Samogo. They did uh, recently did Sayonara Wild Hearts and they do like Year Walk and stuff. And they have like amazing trailers. And I just think to myself when I look at those, wow, if I was hired to make their trailers, they would not be as good as what they did. So I'm glad I didn't because I wouldn't have received the, the trailer that I enjoy so much. <laughs> That's interesting. Do you get the thing that we sometimes get with films where uh, you don't want to work on the game that you really want to play because you don't want to be kind of, you don't want to see behind the curtain. You want to you want to experience it when it's done and not get kind of too close to it. Yeah. Actually, the, the things that I end up wishing that I worked on are the games that... I play later on and really enjoy and then I go back to see their trailers and I don't like their trailers very much and I think oh man I I really wish I could have worked on that and given this game the trailer it deserved um which maybe that's very haughty of me but I do feel that a lot like one small example there's this game called A Plague Tale Innocence just a lot of the trailers I didn't have a really good sense of the story and like I really really liked the story in that game so I'm like oh man that's what why I end up making fan trailers sometimes. What do you think for, um, at the other end of the spectrum, you know, what, what do you think for those kind of big AAA releases? What do you think people are kind of looking for in those trailers? Like as developers and fans, what do you think are the, the important things to, to hit in those kind of trailers? The, I mean, the fans, what they want is, is really different from what the developers want in a lot of ways. The fans, especially with like sequels and stuff, it's always a mix of, we want to see something that we're really familiar with, but also we want something new which I think is like the constant uh, struggle as like a big AAA developer because they're spending lots of money on something that they can't be like too risky, but they also can't be too samey. From talking to lots of developers and working with them, I find they care mostly just about literally how the game looks and looks like it plays. Uh, I get very little feedback about like the editing of the trailer a lot of the time. There's be, oh no, there's a little bug here. There's like a texture that's that's off. And usually that's the sort of feedback that I get because like that's the thing that they're so focused on as they're making the game. It's like how it looks and functions uh, because just making a game is so hard. It's like building this crazy machine that's never been built before. And just having it work is uh, a miracle basically. I wonder if that kind of changes like with the bigger, you know, with the bigger releases, you're going to have these big kind of engines and you're going to have marketing departments and studios and and kind of international distributors and kind of more of a closer to a a film kind of chain of, okay, we're the people tasked with marketing this. Yeah, I I don't know as much about like the higher end, it's like AAA marketing stuff. But I mean, just from hearing developers talk about the games, they're just they're just happy it works at all and they just want people to see it and uh, be impressed and to be able to feel proud of it, which I think a trailer in game development, I think especially, can be a really good like rallying cry for like finishing your game, like seeing your game 
in a good trailer can be like, oh, wow, that's what we're making. Cool. Like new motivation now to, to finish it up. Things always look best in, uh, in trailers. They do. So you're, the place that you work at also does game trailers and you've done some game trailer work too, right? Yeah, it's often uh, often kind of dipping dipping into things to kind of to kind of help out. But um, I really enjoy it as a process. Um, definitely, when I've done cuts from version one, and you get to kind of it's 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 a process that you've talked about before. That kind of massive sandbox that you know you don't necessarily have footage captured, or you might just have a kind of rough five minutes of okay, here are the environments, and here's some token things and none of this is final we're going to replace it all later we've talked about it before but you'll put title tool down saying okay this bit here and often you'll have a script to work with because these things need some kind of structure especially a trader that's more kind of montagey and and verging on salesy you know with a kind of big um copy as opposed to something more like an assassin's creed or something where it's a kind of big triple a closer to a cinematic kind of experience right um, but yeah, it's really interesting to kind of lay stuff and then work with a capture team and say, okay, so I kind of want this thing to do this and can the camera do this? And, you know, what about a kind of drone shot that comes in there? It's like a really interesting, in a way it's quite intimidating because almost anything is possible mm-hmm. other than the bits of the game that aren't finished. It's a really interesting experience and I love the kind of things that you can do by being able to alter that environment and set up things. I saw a... Um, I saw a trailer recently for something where it was a kind of one consistent shot and the characters were in the same place, but it flipped through all the kind of different environments. And it's kind of this unsettling but really cool kind of visual trick that obviously you couldn't do in live action or it'd be like Tomorrowland. You'd be immediately you'd be in this new environment, Um, but it works really well. And um, being able to do slow-mo, that was an interesting thing that um, I experienced that often, you know, um, they'll kind of capture at slower speed so they're more able to kind of do actions and then yeah like because sometimes it's really hard to do complicated camera work so you can uh you can have the game play slower so then that you just have that buffer zone to get your camera moves in and then the editor can just go back in and restore it to like normal speed is that what you're talking about yeah it's, um but it gives you that uh capability of kind of speed ramping and and it is really i mean it's a it's an amazing process and actually the slick polished game traders that are out there are a testament to how hard that job is because to coordinate two people one person is a kind of virtual camera person and the other person is a stick person controlling the characters or a couple of people driving cars and kind of puppeteering almost these right characters it's um it's a really interesting experience and and very kind of rewarding and lots of kind of happy accidents come out of it as well i remember there was a character kind of moving through an environment and it was a kind they had a clear background behind them so i was like oh i'm gonna key out the background of this and put this character in this kind of environment and um yeah it was good fun i did a little bit of work on the outer worlds which has just come out which is um getting really good really good reviews as well it's a great experience and and kind of very different but very similar to the um the theatrical one too and prior to kind of working in that AAA environment i'd done kind of film tie-in video games and the interesting thing there and this was a couple of years ago was that when you're looking at a tv spot the footage doesn't necessarily look great and that's that's an interesting kind of dilemma you have as well when you haven't got this big kind of 3d environment like firewatch even you have a kind of 2d card game or a kind of you know it's an iphone game but you've got a you've got to present it so sometimes you have that there are ways of kind of making it 
elevating the footage and whether it's putting it in a frame or in an environment or kind of projecting it onto a texture or kind of completely CGing the environment and creating this going out to a kind of third-party VFX house to create something. I remember the first trailer for Dante's Inferno. Uh-huh, yeah. There are hundreds, I'm sure, of kind of effectively special shoot teaser trailers for games but it was this amazing kind of 3d behel environment and actually it was based i think on the concept art of the game but no kind of in-game assets it was all kind of created from scratch for that teaser and to get the sense at the midpoint on the journey of life i found myself in a dark forest but the clear path was lost So that's a kind of really interesting um, process as well. I know the notes and revisions experience working on games tends to be very different from movies. I feel like they're just way, way fewer revisions. Did you have a similar experience? Yeah, I think kind of nailing music is a good thing. And often you can get that right first time because you kind of do a big kind of pull and do something that you believe in um and then kind of after that point yes it is kind of it's nitty gritty of like oh no we can't show that thing that thing's unfinished and and a lot of kind of shot replacement or you know we need a bigger moment here and less kind of structural changes and more kind of specifics of what you can show and stuff yeah actually there's one thing i'm curious about in terms of what you've done uh but whenever i find myself making game trailers which i mean it's all the time you you often find yourself making game trailers i do it's it's a weird thing uh the thing that i find is that i tend to use very little like trailer sound design like you know whooshes and hits and rises that sort of thing uh in most of my game trailers i don't know did your sound design in your game trailers feel about the same as movies or do you feel any different yeah i'd say actually when i've worked on stuff i've done it with kind of minimal dialogue um so they've often been kind of music videos and in that case I definitely have used trailer sound design and I don't know whether that's because that's kind of where the world that I'm coming from. I feel like any time I cut with a music track, I'm just kind of, it's built in me to kind of boost that with sound design and rises and whooshes and hits and stops and, and those kind of things. So, um, and I would say in my experience of kind of picking up other people's cuts and stuff that that's very much, especially for, for action and um, things like that, that that's definitely a part, especially when you're kind of, there's a real tendency in games to, to use music cues that are, are slightly older. So I remember on The Outer Worlds, they used um, Iggy Pop, The Passenger. And I'm not sure whether that cue was actually trailerized. So there was definitely a lot of sound design behind that to kind of boost it up. But maybe that's just me falling into my kind of old habits and seeing it through a theatrical viewpoint. But I mean, that's interesting as well as kind of bringing people from kind of different sensibilities into games and, and seeing what they can do for them. I think the reason that I tend to avoid sound design in a lot of cases is because I think I'm just really interested in trying to make the game feel very authentic. Uh, I worry uh, sometimes of maybe too much sound design might make people think like, oh, this is part of the game, even though usually trailer sound design is pretty in your face. So I can't 100% imagine someone being like, oh, wow, is that wish going to happen every single time you do that punch in this game or something? But it's, it's something that I always keep in the back of my mind. Or, and also like things like slow motion, I'll 
tend to not use because you know it could be misconstrued as like a game mechanic under certain circumstances that's interesting yeah it's definitely those probably there's a lot more kind of iconic sound design and and things like that and yeah you you don't want to kind of create that perception that's interesting i know you you really keep abreast of the latest movie trailers because also i don't know if people we've told mentioned it but Rick keeps a, a Tumblr blog where he posts the trailers of the week and also articles about trailers that came out. Yeah, I, I started doing it a couple of years ago because I realized that I wasn't watching every trailer and I just consider it so important to what we do to kind of keep as abreast as you can of every trailer. So it was a kind of exercise. I was kind of doing it anyway to watch everything. And then I thought, well, actually, people might be kind of interested. And it's a really useful record having done it. I, I mean, I missed the odd week or two, but um it's good to be able to kind of go back and say, oh, yes, that trailer came out that week you know, yeah. and not forget it. Um, but I think I remember talking to you about game trailers and I think you said something like when you realized how many game trailers come out in a week, you're just like, I can't I can't bother with this. Oh, yeah, totally. We've talked about it before. But yeah, if I, I followed, I think I subscribed to a kind of new game trailer YouTube channel and it was just flooding my YouTube feed with with stuff because it's like there were roughly on average I think there's probably in terms of streaming TV and films which is the stuff that I kind of collate on trailer week there are you know 20 to 40 trailers a week um, and for video games it feels like that's every day <laughs> and as we as we said before that's kind of broken down into gameplay trailers and announcements and cinematic and story and tv spots and but yeah there's a lot of content out there there's a lot of games out there yeah i follow like a game trailer account and like nintendo playstation and xbox and some there is some overlap but uh my weekly critique streams which unfortunately i'm not doing right now because uh of a job i'm on I basically end up adding to a massive playlist like game trailers, watch these later. And then during each stream, I would watch, you know, maybe like eight and just like barely making a dent on this massive playlist. I think I feel just less obligated to watch a lot of game trailers just because the thing about game trailers is that the vast majority of them aren't made by people who are video editors uh, as opposed to like movie trailers, which is all like movie trailer houses, unless it's like a small indie film where maybe they roped the the feature editor into doing it because they didn't want to hire a trailer editor. So because most game trailers are just not made by people with editing experience, I don't necessarily feel like I'm missing out on uh, as much editorial inspiration, basically, with a lot of game trailers, which is just, it's just a reality because games don't require a video editor to like be on their team. So it's it's only makes sense that you wouldn't necessarily have someone who can do that or even know someone who does because you just don't have the, the friends who have those disciplines necessarily. Yeah, I find it interesting that both of us have had to kind of create things to carve out time to watch things. But in a way, it is good to kind of force yourself to do it. Um, but I think, uh, I mean, I seek out stuff that's AAA title, and maybe this is my kind of blockbuster sens- sensibilities. But like, if that I can only watch a few film trailers in a week, then I will seek out the Jungle Cruise and the the Bad Boys three and probably you know some like high profile in indie like you know waves from a24 or whatever but um i think i'm probably the same with games that i will look out the oh it's the grand theft auto thing and it's the um i've actually found myself in a weird kind of um therapeutic way as much as i can't watch every game trailer there's someone on youtube who there's a uh, there's a game called city skyline 
which is like sim cities and there's someone who goes in and takes someone's city and fixes their traffic if they have bad traffic management he goes in and he fixes their roundabouts and it's all very therapeutic and he takes them from like terrible traffic to brilliant traffic all by kind of and it's a very strange surreal thing but i guess i i do it to kind of clear my head uh, and you know what actually that has functioned as a very successful trailer for city skylines because if i had any time to do it i would actually quite enjoy playing that game but um but i have no time that sounds like video game equivalent of like bonsai tree trimming i can imagine them like doing some sort of like really soft-spoken bob ross commentary as they're doing it um but yeah that's a good point that video games are unique in that the video content people make which are not trailers still act as advertising which is why they have i think the industry just has this like unspoken agreement that hey we won't pull your stuff from youtube or twitch if uh you do it because we know it's promotion for us um whereas like movies of course if you show any bit of the movie then you're just showing the movie and then of course it's going to be pulled off of youtube yeah i think probably trailer reaction videos or or actually i i don't know though are people doing online film commentaries that would be hilarious like alternate i guess you couldn't do it because you would be showing the film but um i'm sure there's some kind of way of like sync up the podcast to um to the movie and um listen along yeah, I think like personal film commentaries are just probably just like, yeah, podcast forms like hit play now. But in terms of video, there's uh, there's no way. <laughs> so do you think that's the future? Do you think because you've kind of mentioned two two big points there, which is content that is kind of less curated trailer wise and more just kind of like, hey, here's the game and here's some shots and bits and the trailer's not very kind of professionally put together. And also this kind of user-generated content, which is a real boon for kind of marketing. Do you think that that means that there might be less kind of official content out there? Or is it a case of every game needs a trailer, so that's just going to stay? Yeah, I think every game still needs a trailer because not everyone is going to want to watch that uh, like raw gameplay experience, but they'll still want it if they are interested maybe after watching the trailer. It's like, oh, okay, I watched the trailer, which gave me an idea about the game, but let's look at the raw gameplay to see what maybe they were cutting around or just to get a fuller experience of the gameplay. But, you know, like store pages and everything that still need a trailer, people just need to be able to like post a quick video on social media and that sort of thing. Because just people just, I mean, how, how many people do you think are going to say, absolutely, if you say, hey, I have a new game coming out. Here's half an hour of gameplay. You know, unless it's like a AAA like game like Spider-Man, then there's going to be fewer people who are going to say, sure. And also, you know, like press events and stuff like that, you're still going to need short and tight trailers. Do you think that there's a there's more of a market for I think I can't remember the game it was, but I remember you talking about a, a trailer that was a playable demo, but it was set up as a trailer. What, what game was that for? Oh, yeah, yeah. The trailer for Ape Out. They released a demo, which basically, if you watch the trailer for Ape Out uh, that came out at the time of the demo, the video of the trailer was basically just a perfect playthrough of that demo, which uh, what it does is you're so you're this ape and you're playing individual rooms where you like kill one person. And as soon as you kill that person, then it cuts to another room. You have to play that section. And I think that's a really, really cool idea. And I love it. I don't necessarily think 
that's like the future in terms of like everyone's going to be doing this just because that's just additional game development that people have to spend time doing and that could be spent developing the game but that potential does exist there but i think the still like the 90 second or 60 second trailer is still always going to be necessary but it is really cool when people experiment with the format of what games can do it's funny there are a lot of things in games that are a lot easier to do than in movies and vice versa. So for example, you know, one big trope of movie trailer TV spots or movie TV spots or something is like, you know, the 3D text that's tracked into the scene, which like in games, you can just add that into the game as an asset and then capture it. You know, you don't have to motion track it or anything like that, though sometimes it still happens if it's like a higher end game. And like the thing, like you said, like the background's changing spontaneously as the person stays constant. That's like a thing that games do all the time just to say, hey, there's lots of content in this game. Whereas that would be like a VFX shot in a movie. Yeah, it's like we said earlier. So it's, you know, it's a hell of a sandbox to, to play with as, a, as an editor, producer. Okay, so I guess that's going to wrap up our first discussion about game trailers. I'm sure we'll revisit this in the future because it's it's a big topic and there's more stuff we can talk about. Yeah, and um, let us know if there are any game trailers that you want us to talk about or kind of um, dip into. This was a kind of more general kind of discussion about stuff, but um, you know, uh, there are a lot of amazing game trailers out there. So let us know if there's something you'd like us to talk about the editorial on. Yeah, and if you have any questions, as always, you can contact us at cutdown at idlethumbs.net. And we're on Twitter at cutdowncast. And I'm at Derek underscore Lou. And I'm at Rick Thomas. We're part of the Idle Thumbs Network, and you can join us on the Idle Thumbs forums if you'd like to discuss this week's episode. And also, please leave us a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the show uh, if you're enjoying it, so then that we can get more people listening to it. Or even, even if you're not enjoying it. <laughs> Frankly, if you're not enjoying it, I don't know where you're listening, but um, leave a review anyway. Yeah, give us five stars. And as always, we want to give a thank you to our friends at Twisted Jukebox for our intro music. Uh, next time we're back with a Thanksgiving turkey episode. Yes. So uh, keep an eye to the skies for that turkey. You'll have to listen to find out what we're talking about. Uh, and thanks for listening.